Well, let's go to John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And so the scene now has moved from Cana and Galilee to Jerusalem. Specifically, it says here, the, the pool at Bethesda. And you can kind of imagine, if you would, <clears throat> think about what you might see here. Uh, this would be a pretty depressing scene, you know? I mean, here is this beautiful pool, these colonnades and all this kind of stuff, but surrounding this pool are multitudes, it says, of the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. I mean, here are these poor, hurting souls, individuals who maybe have sat by this pool day by day by day by day. Uh, maybe, maybe their families have left them there, um, you know, and, and life seems to be going on without them. And it would be depressing for us to see, but it likely even more depressing for the other, to be on the other side, to be one of the blind one of the lame, one of the paralyzed, watching life pass you by, hoping for some miracle to take place. Now, what was the miracle they were hoping for? Um, if you look in your Bibles, um, just to kind of explain this real quick, uh, if you look, some of your translations might not have verse 4. Anybody look down? Is anybody's translation missing verse 4 here? Anybody? A few? Okay. Um, here's, here's the deal. Here's the reason why. I know I have the English Standard Version, and verse 4 does not show up. It's actually down in the footnote. It skips from verse 3 to verse 5. And the reason for that is, is that verse 4 uh, was not found in some of the oldest manuscripts. Let's get into a little te technical conversations here. If you have all these Greek manuscripts, and one gets copied to the next, gets copied to the next, gets copied to the next. Does that make sense? Uh, well, verse 4 wasn't in some of the older ones, and so it's believed that verse 4 might have been added at a later date by a scribe who was trying to explain what went on. Now, what does verse 4 say? It said that they were waiting for the movement of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water, and whoever stepped, into the first, or stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. And so it's believed that most likely that was added by a scribe at some point because they felt like they needed to explain why were all these people sitting around this pool. Now, did, did God really send down an angel to stir up that water? We really don't know. We don't know if that was something that really took place or if that was something that was a superstitious belief. But regardless, here are these people waiting, waiting on help. And in fact, verse 5 tells us that this person who Jesus is going to focus his attention on had been there 38 years, or he had been paralyzed for 38 years. And it gives the idea that he's been there for a long, long time. He might not have been sitting by this pool all 38 years, but he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And he likely had no clue that the hope that he was waiting for was about to walk onto the scene. Verse 6 tells us, When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time. I think there's something we can notice here. And that's that Jesus comes to the hurting. You know, we see this throughout Jesus' ministry. That he always seemed to find time to find his way to the hurting. He constantly turned to those who were poor. To the needy. To the sick. To those who were beaten up by this life. To those who were forgotten. Those who felt abandoned. And I think it's a reminder to us today that Christ comes to us in our pain and in our hurt 
and in our sorrow. He's there when we lose the loved one. He's there when the cancer comes back. He's there when the job is lost. He's there when we feel like our family is being pulled apart. We're reminded in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from God's love. But not only is God there, not only is Jesus here with us in our pain, He knows our pain, and He reaches to us with compassion, just like He's going to reach to this man. Now, we don't know why Jesus picked this man. You know, He's surrounded by a multitude of these people, but for some reason He focuses His attention on this man. And then He turns and He asks this man what I think is kind of a strange question, kind of an odd question. You know, I've learned... um, over the course of my life, that there are particular questions that you just don't ask, you know? There's certain things, and in certain situations, where you just don't say certain things. You don't ask certain questions, or else it's not going to end well. For instance, I've learned that, um, that it is useless to ask a fisherman where he catches his fish. They're not going to answer you, are you? They're going to tell you, oh, it's somewhere in the water over there. Well, what do you use? Oh, some bait. And if they do tell you, they're probably not going to tell you the truth. I've learned that it's dangerous to ask a woman if she's pregnant. I can get your life ended pretty quickly. There's no need to ask your kid if they want dessert. Yes, they want dessert. It's pointless. You ever watch ESPN or something? It's pointless to ask, ask a coach if they're going to win the game. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They'll interview a coach before the game and say, Coach, how's the game going to go? You're going to beat them? And what does that coach always say? Uh, we're facing a good opponent today, and they're going to be a tough challenge for us. And they always try to talk up their opponent so that if they lose, they can say, well, I told you so. <laughs> but if they win, they can say, oh, we really, we really did something. And there's, there's one other question I've realized you don't ask. I have never walked into a hospital and asked somebody if they wanted to be healed. Just never felt the need to do so. But Jesus does it here. Look in verse 6. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been healed, been there a long time, he asked him, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, why on earth would Jesus ask that question? He looks at a man who's been paralyzed for 38 years and says, do you want to be healed? I mean, it seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? You would think. Maybe even seems insensitive. in our ears, but yet Jesus asked it. And I believe he asked the same question to us. Do you want to be healed? I think he asked it to the lost person like this. I think he looks at the lost person and says, do you want to be healed of the eternal consequence of your sin? Do you want to be healed of the curse of sin in your life? Now, the truth is that someone, some might not even realize that they're sick. Kind of like a person with, a, with a, a disease they haven't even realized they have. Sin has dwelled in our hearts all this time. And some don't even realize that it'll be the death of them. But what does Scripture say? Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, The wages of that sin is death. But the free gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so every person to walk the face of this earth has been infected with sin. And the prognosis is always the same, death. Physical death. It was sin that brought death into this world, right? It was sin that got Adam and Eve booted out of the garden and brought death. And it was also sin that brought spiritual death. But Jesus, if you were lost here today, Jesus is reaching out to you, asking you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Because he is the only one that can do so. But here's the thing. You can be healed, but you got to be willing to take the medication. And what is it? Repentance and faith. To trust in the Lord and to receive the gift. You know, the truth is that there are some today who say that they want to be healed, but they aren't really serious about it. You know, I, I wonder about this guy who met Jesus. Uh, you know, we know that Jesus knows all things. We, we know that he, he knew this man's mind, and, and I wondered, because Jesus asked this, this made me wonder just how eager was he to be healed? Did he really, did he really want it? You know, we read the next verse that... that, that that the man begins to give excuses as to why he can't get in the pool. He says there that, he says, no one is here to help me, and by the time I get down there, someone's beat me into the water, and so they're the ones that might get healed and not me. Um, and, and it makes me wonder if he's, um, if maybe he was just comfortable in his current life, and he didn't really want to be healed. I wonder if he's kind of like a beggar who's content with begging. You know what I'm saying? You know, I heard a story this past week um, from one of our members. Um, she told me about a friend who's had a lawn cutting business, and uh, he was driving down the road one day, and he really needed an extra set of hands, and so he pulled over, um, and he asked one of these guys that was on the side of the street, um, asked, begging for money, he asked the guy, he said, look, man, he said, I need an extra set of hands today. If you'll come work with me today, I'll pay you X amount of money. And, uh, and the guy said that the man laughed at him and said, why would I do that? I can make more money standing in this corner begging. And it's true that there are many that have that mentality. And I wonder about this guy, when Jesus asked him that question, if maybe every single day if he had watched healthy people walking by, going about their busy lives and going about their working, and I wonder if maybe he sat back and said, you know what, it's kind of nice just to sit here and not do anything. And so when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed, I wonder if there was a little check in his spirit and said, man, if I'm healed, I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to actually do things. You know, sometimes lost people might like the idea of eternal life. They might like the idea of forgiveness. They might even agree with the facts. They might even say, yeah, I can agree that there's a God up there, and I can agree with you that maybe his name is Jesus, but they're not willing to surrender their lives. They're not willing to pay the price. Instead, they want to hang on to what they think is freedom. But what did Jesus say about those people? In Luke chapter 9, verse 24, this is what he said. He said, For whoever, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And so there are those that think that if I just hang on to my life and I'll just do my thing, they think they're saving their life, but Scripture says, no, you're actually losing it. But if you will lay down your life, then you'll save it. Wait a minute, you won't save it. But Jesus will save you. And so if I'm describing you today, in this moment, 
Let me say, Jesus wants to heal you, but you have to be willing to be healed. You have to be willing to be made whole, willing to lay down your life. But you know, I think Jesus asked this question to us who are Christians as well today. Do you want to be healed? I think if he's asking that person, if he's asking the lost person that question in connection to their salvation, I think he asks it to us as Christians in connection to our sanctification. You know, sanctification is kind of the $5 word or the $10 word um, in church circles for that process by which God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, makes us more like Jesus. When he, when he comes into our lives and he begins to, to, to work in our lives to remove the works of the flesh and instead to replace it with the fruit of the Spirit, right? That's sanctification. That's, it's a fancy word for what, for what that process is. And so I think what Jesus, when he asks us this question, as Christians, I think he's, what he's saying is this. Do you want to continually be made more and more like Jesus? Do you want to be healed of the effects of sin? Do you want to be healed of the hold of sin on your life? Because when we come to Christ... Does that temptation automatically go away? No. Do we still struggle with sin? Yes. Does sin still creep up in our lives? Do, 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 do selfishness and greed and, and, and lust and, and gossip, do those things still pop up? Yes. And once again, just like in the other situation, I think we sometimes will find ourselves saying, yes, I want to be healed, but I don't really mean it. Yes, I want to be more like Jesus, but I, it, I don't, not if it's going to hurt. Not if it's going to cost me. I, I really don't want, to, I don't want to make much sacrifice here. I don't want to change my life too much. I don't want people around to notice. I don't want to deal with that habit over there because I really enjoy that thing. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with that problem in that relationship because, you know, I, I don't want to make a sacrifice. It's, it's like people say, I want the gain, but I don't want the pain. I, I want to I want to become more like Jesus, but I don't want it to cost me. You know, several years ago, I guess it was about ten to twelve years ago, um, Kim and I we were serving in another church, and uh, we had a lady at our church that gave us a gift. She gave us a uh, a couple's massage package, and she gave me the she gave us the envelope. It was like Pastor's Appreciation Month or something. She hands us this envelope, and Kim opens it up, and she was excited as could be. She was ready to go. But I saw it, and I thought, Oh no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. I don't want to get a massage. This is going to be weird. Um, they're going to make me wear a robe and all this stuff. It's going to be awkward. And so I argued and I argued and I argued with Kim. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And, and finally, she won. Because she's my wife, and that's what happens. And, and so she convinced me to go to this thing. And, and let me tell you, it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, we got there, and sure enough, that they, you know, you walk in the door, and they've got all this, like, I don't know, it's like candles and everything lit, and the lights are down low and stuff. It's just really weird and smells funny. And, uh, <laughs> and I walk in, and they, they hand me a robe. And I'm six foot two, and that robe didn't make it to my knees. So it was a little awkward. I was kind of walking around like this, you know, because... <laughs> This felt really weird. And so I get back there, and, and finally, we sit down on this little couch, and we're just waiting, you know, and it's just, just really weird, just odd. They're playing all this weird music. And, uh, and so finally, we go back here, and, um, and we go back for this massage, and we're in the same room, and so there's the two massage therapists, or whatever they call them, masseuse, I don't know. And, and so we get there, and um, okay, so Kim, I look at Kim, and she looks like she's just having the time of her life. She's just relaxing. 
and this girl is just, just massaging her, and, and everything's going good. Um, but then my massage therapist comes in, and I honestly think, I really do think, that she had had a fight with her boyfriend the night before, and she took it out on me. Because <laughs> this woman beat me up. I mean, she is pushing on me, and she is prodding on me, and she's doing all this stuff, and they, they make you lay your head on this pillow that's got a hole in it. And I, I'm not kidding you, I thought my head was going to go through that hole. I thought, I'm going, my head's going to be sticking out. Kim kept looking over at me, and she couldn't enjoy her massage because she was laughing at me um, because I was in so much pain because I'm just grimacing with this. She's just shoving on me. I mean, I mean she had some strong hands. And, uh, and so we finally get through this thing, and then they tell we're going to get a meal out of this, and then they hand me this little bitty chicken salad sandwich, which I don't even like chicken salad. It's like elf food, they say, you know. And so I hurt. I'm telling you, I never want to do it again. I'm not going there again, let me tell you. Um, and I walked away feeling like I'd gotten beat up. I was hurting. But you know what the funny thing was? Is that after the fact, I kind of felt better. Not going to tell my wife that. <laughs> but it actually did work. Because there was some knots on my shoulders. There was some soreness there that needed to be worked out that she was able to work out. But I had to go through the pain to get the gain. And the same is true for us spiritually. That Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed? But it's going to cost you. That you're going to have to continually lay down your life. He's saying, look, I, I, wanna, I need to remove this from your life. Whatever that sin may be. But it's going to hurt. But you're going to have to be willing. Now, like I mentioned, this man was started offering excuses. In verse 7, this is what happens. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Now, he might have been offering excuses here, feeling like there was no hope. But what he didn't, didn't realize is that he was speaking to the solution, to his problem. The, the solution wasn't the pool. The solution was the, was the Lord and Savior in front of him. And so what does Jesus do? He moves right past the excuses and he heals him. Look at verse 8. It says, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now, while, the man, while this man was given some excuses, I will say he was correct in one thing. He couldn't heal himself. He was not his own answer. He was not his own hope. He had to look to Jesus. And the same is true of us. We can't heal ourselves. We are dependent upon the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that saves us from our sin. And you know the truth is also, too, we don't sanctify ourselves. That we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And so we are both saved by grace and we are sanctified by His grace. But do you know that the right answer for us, the solution for us when Jesus says, do you want to be healed, is exactly what this guy did? This guy did two things that I think is key for us today. Number one, he heard Christ's word. Jesus spoke to him and said, get up, take up your bed and walk. And then he obeyed. What's the next part said? And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. He heard the word of the Lord, and he did it. 
want to come to Christ for salvation today? Are you lost and you realize you need a Savior? Hear the word of the Lord. It tells you that you were a sinner, that we were all sinners, but that Christ died for you. It tells you that if you would repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in Jesus, that he will forgive you. Hear the word of the Lord, believe it, and do it by responding in obedience, by putting your faith in Jesus, by trusting in him for your salvation, and by beginning to walk with him as your Lord and Savior. Now, for those of us who are believers in this room, do you want to become more like Christ? Do you hear that question, do you want to be healed, and you say yes? You know what the answer is? Hear the word of the Lord. Read the word. Hear it. Study it. Believe that if God commands it, that he also gives you the power through the Spirit to do it. Trust it, and then respond with obedience by living it out. Really, that's the simplest way I know to sum up faith. To hear the word, to believe it, and then to do it. It's faith in a nutshell. To hear, trust, and obey. And so this morning, today, as we come to this time of closure, that's the invitation. If you're a Christian here today, your invitation is this. Do you want to be healed? Are you living a life where daily you are turning yourself over to the Lord and saying, I want to be more like Jesus today? Well, you're not going to get there unless you're hearing the word and through the power of the Spirit living it. And if you are sitting here today and you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he is asking you that same question that he asked to this man. Do you want to be healed? And if today you realize, yes, I need to be healed, then today, would you hear his words? And would you do it by putting your faith and trust in him? Would you pray with me? Father God, as we come to this time of invitation today, I ask that we would be people who hear your word and who do it unquestionably. Without doubt, without hesitation, that as we read through scripture, Give us a command. You call us to live in some certain way, some particular way, that we would hear it and we would do it. That we would trust in the power of your Holy Spirit living within us to give us the ability to do it. Because you've never called us to do anything that you have not also empowered us to do as well. So Father, I pray for the believers in this room today that we would be convinced all over again we need to hear your word and live by it. Father, if there be some in this room today who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would hear your word calling to them, offering them salvation. And that they would hear it and that they would trust and they would obey. Father, what a sight it must have been to watch this man who have been paralyzed for 38 years, stand up on two strong legs and walk. And God, what a sight it would be today if we would watch some soul walk this aisle who's been cursed by sin but can be set free because of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we do pray these things.